For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, and ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key, not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. Good evening, everybody. This is Joe Schuldenrein here in New York with a, another episode of Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. Uh, we have had a number of programs that deal with the entire question of public outreach and the need for members of the archaeological profession to establish broader contacts and broader contexts for the type of work that we do, especially in the realm of public outreach and education. There is a uh, national conference for the Society of American Archaeology, which is the largest U.S. and North uh, American-based archaeological conference in this country, and it will be taking place on April 6th in Orlando, Florida, so we thought it would be an excellent idea to bring in uh, a couple of representatives of the uh, Florida archaeological community who are involved with a variety of different outreach programs. Uh, I have two guests with me today. Uh, the first is Mr. Mike Toman, who is the manager of Destination Archaeology Research Center. He is a writer for the Unearthing Florida radio program, which is broadcast on national public radio stations in Florida. Mike has uh, developed a number of programs and is a certified guide with the National Association of Interpretation. He has worked in museum topics and a variety of different situations involved with museum work, and he has also been involved with the Archaeological Tourism Task Force of Florida, and his research interests include Mississippian period Southeastern Native Americans, maritime history of the Gulf of Mexico, public history, and public archaeology. Michael, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be here. My second guest is Nicole Grenan, who has a master's degree in historical archaeology from the University of West Florida. 
and has also scuba certification and is clearly involved with maritime archaeology to some degree. She has worked as an intern with the NASA History Division and the Biscayne National Park in Florida. She is also currently a graduate student representative for the Advisory Council for Underwater Archaeology and has also been involved in public interpretation of maritime cultural resources and social history. Nicole, welcome to the program as well. Hi, thank you for having me. Mike, uh, let's start with you and give us sort of an overview of your program, Unearthing Florida, and how the uh, entire uh, public outreach uh, programs are implemented and designed in Florida, if you can? I know it's a big question, but I think a lot of people in our audience are really interested in how that works. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Unearthing Florida actually began uh, back in really 1998 with uh, Dr. Judy Bentz. Dr. Bentz started the University of West Florida's archaeology program uh, here in Pensacola back in the 1980s. Um, she, she also created our organization, the Florida Public Archaeology Network, back in 2004-2005. And she's currently uh, the, the president of the University of West Florida. So she's an uh, incredible lady, but she really kind of spearheaded public archaeology in Pensacola. And in 1998, they began a radio program called Unearthing Florida to celebrate the 300-year anniversary of one of the Spanish presidios that was once located uh, near Pensacola in the 1700s. Um, and so it, it started out just as a way to kind of inform people about this 300-year uh, celebration, uh, but people responded to it and liked it so much that they decided to turn it into a, a program that, that basically lasted from 1998 up into about 2010. Um, and it was all about uh, broadcasting uh, archaeology done in Pensacola to um, NPR listeners at WUWF 88.1 that broadcasts out of, out of Pensacola. Um, and so back in about 2011, Dr. Bentz wanted to uh, expand this program to make it statewide, and she worked very closely with the, the news director and executive producer of that program, and her name is Sandra Everhart. Um, and they, they thought that FPAN as an organization would be perfect for uh, coordinating that and also helping to create the actual content to highlight archaeology, not just in Pensacola, but throughout the entire state. And so I was brought on board as basically a copywriter and researcher, uh, and we've been churning out uh, episodes ever since then. And, and they're actually very short episodes. Um, the, they broadcast uh, right now in Pensacola at 7.33 in the morning, which is in radio. It's a perfect time to get commuters. And it's only about a minute and 30 seconds long, so it's very short. Um, but we're, we're able to, I think, I, I, at least I think, say a lot. And usually we try to have a, a nice preservation message um, in each episode that we do. So Unearthing Florida now is broadcast here locally in Pensacola. Uh, we're broadcast out of Fort Myers, uh, we, and we just started being broadcast out of Tallahassee. And so um, we're, we're excited about that, and it's growing. Um, in terms of the Florida Public Archaeology Network, it was really modeled on some other public archaeology programs that had regional centers located throughout the state, so notably in Arkansas and also in Louisiana. Um, and Dr. Bentz, like I said, had been involved in public archaeology in Pensacola since, since the 1980s. Um, and she saw uh, a lot of strengths and possibilities with having a, an organization um, that could reach the entire state. 
And so in about 2004, 2005, through uh, the Florida legislators, legislators uh, the Florida Public Archaeology Network was, was created. And basically, FPAN, as we like to call it as its, as its acronym, is, uh, is a statewide organization that's administered through the University of West Florida, but we have many other partner uh, universities and organizations that we work with throughout the state. Um, and that help kind of provide uh, centers uh, as part of our network. Uh, but our, our mission really is to promote the protection and public appreciation of Florida's archaeological resources. And we do that primarily through public outreach and education. So we work predominantly with the public, but we also work very closely with Florida's Division of Historical Resources, which is the state. And we also work very closely with local governments as well as civic organizations and uh, uh, in all sorts of state and federal uh, levels. So um, we've got eight different centers located throughout the state, but our coordinating center is right here in, in downtown Pensacola. So uh, you are a central organization for the state, correct, uh, Mike? Yes, we are. The Our office is basically the coordinating center for the rest of the centers throughout the state. Um, so it's the office space of our executive director, Dr. William Lees, and our associate director, Dr. Della Scott Ireton. But it's also um, the headquarters for our Northwest Regional Center, which is what, why Nicole is in this office. Um, so yes, it's it's the coordinating center for for the entire state. But we have um, we have offices located in uh, throughout the entire state of Florida, and so they are able to basically um, provide programming to each region. Uh, and also to assist DHR and, and local governments um, in, throughout the entire state. Uh, Nicole, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that organization. Um, so we do a great deal here at the Florida Public Archaeology Network. I work specifically, like Mike said, in the Northwest Regional Center. So uh, my region spans 10 counties in the Florida Panhandle. And kind of on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm doing things like reaching out to the public through our social media platforms, um, going to schools and doing public presentations, visiting libraries, doing presentations with them, um, conducting some of our training workshops. I'm uh, fairly involved with our underwater archaeology training programs that we do, our diver training programs through the Florida Public Archaeology Network. And um, also working with our partner organizations. We partner a lot with the National Park Service, with state parks, um, with libraries, with local governments to help them accomplish their goals in addition to accomplishing our own in um, promoting the protection and preservation of historical and archaeological resources in our area. Mike, it sounds like you guys have a very intricate organization and one that seems to be uh, pretty unique because... Most states, and I'm familiar with the way a lot of the states function, they don't have anywhere near the level of sophistication or organization that you guys have. You obviously have multiple missions, and you have a number of personnel that are dedicated to both outreach pro programs and a variety of other communication vehicles. Tell us a little bit about uh, how that emerged and how you got to the where you are right now. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to. So, like I said, Dr. Bentz has been involved in archaeology, uh, public archaeology for, for an, quite a long time, several decades, um, just locally here in Pensacola. Um, but the opportunity arose uh, in 2004 to, to pass some legislation to effectively try to stop the rapid destruction of Florida's archaeological resources. Um, and it's, it's been a big problem in Florida. It's, it remains a big problem 
uh, in the United States as well as across the world, uh, people destroying sites, uh, both because they, they are uh, unfamiliar or uneducated, as well as for, uh, you know, religious re- reasons or, or just simply to make profit off of selling artifacts. So uh, FPAN was really created to help uh, s- stop that by um, education, essentially. Um, and as our associate director, Dr. Della Scott Ireton, likes to quote from Freeman Tilden, who's the basically the father of uh, what we call heritage interpretation today. And he had a, a, a very simple belief that um, through interpretation, you get understanding. Through understanding, you get appreciation. And through appreciation, it eventually leads to protection. And so it's kind of with that mentality that, that we operate. And so FPAN started uh, basically in 2005 um, in downtown Pensacola. Just had an executive director uh, as well as a, a, a regional director for Northwest Florida as well as a, an office manager. And it kind of just grew from there. Um, over the next several years, it opened up offices. Uh, from Tallahassee down to South Florida and to Fort Myers and Fort Lauderdale and St. Augustine. Um, and so it's just kind of grown from that point on. Each regional center has a, an executive or has a director, uh, a regional director, and each regional director will have, uh, just, just like Nicole, an, an out public archaeologist or an out, what we used to call an outreach coordinator um, that does very similar activities uh, with the same mission that Nicole does here in, uh, in, in Northwest Florida. Uh, but, of course, one of the strengths of our program is that uh, they recognize early on, and they, especially looking at other models like in Arkansas and, and Louisiana, that it was really important to understand that the demographics of each region in Florida is very different. Uh, South Florida is very different um, demographically than um, uh, Northwest Florida along the Panhandle. So that's the that's one of the great things about our organization is that while we do have some programs that that work kind of wherever region you you decide to actually implement them at, um, not every region will necessarily have a program that will work for it because of its unique population. So uh, that's what's kind of great about us is we can really customize um, our the the local population's needs uh, and their desires. Um, from each region, and they, and they might differ somewhat from region to region, and they may, in many cases, uh, be statewide programs that we all sort of do. And we will be back with our very fascinating discussion on public archaeology in Florida right after these words don't go away. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. 
Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Good evening. I'm back uh, with another episode of Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. As uh, we had discussed in the first part of this very special program on the public archaeology programs in the state of Florida, there are a variety of different issues and approaches that um, the Florida State program gets involved in, and before we went to the break, we had discussed the very interesting, uh, I won't say compartmentalization, but certainly the regional element of undertaking archaeological uh, outreach uh, based on demographics of particular parts of the state. Nicole, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on how you formulate your public outreach programs and the general nature of, of what you do uh, based on the demographics, if you could sort of give that to us in a nutshell. Yeah, no problem. So like Mike said earlier, um, the structure of our organization is broken up into different regions. And we have eight different regional centers throughout the state. And each region kind of has its own personality. um, And our programming reflects that. Here in the Florida panhandle, we generally have people who have been in this area for a long time. They have long family histories in the area. And they have a lot of investment in their own heritage. And so in the Panhandle, actually, our job is relatively easy because we get great turnouts at our events. Um, We have a lot of interaction on our social media. People are very interested in protecting and preserving their local resources because they feel like those resources are a part of their community identity. Um, In the southern parts of our state, um, it's obviously very different. We have a lot of snowbirds who come to Florida just seasonally, um, Mm -hmm. so they don't have a lot of investment here in our state history. Um, There's also a large Latino population in our southeastern region near Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And so they don't necessarily also, for the same reasons, they don't feel a lot of investment in Florida's history specifically. And so for our regional centers down there, it's a little bit more of a challenge to find programs that really get people interested in Florida's history and archaeology. Um, But they've done a fantastic job down there, and they've kind of tailored their programs a little bit to getting more interest in general history topics and for people who travel north during the summertime, um, getting them to become involved in local history in their own areas, but kind of starting that interest here in Florida. Um, and then we have St. Augustine, our area, which is our northeast regional center. And that, of course, is a major heritage tourism destination here in Florida. And so 
our regional center in St. Augustine does a lot of programs geared towards those heritage tourists, people who are coming to see um, the Castillo de San Marcos, in, uh, which is right in the heart of downtown St. Augustine. So they also have some fantastic resources to work with, and also a lot of people who are coming there specifically to learn about history and archaeology. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this. So you have obviously very different, as Nicole was saying, very different, I would say, objectives and outreach plans based on even you know, the archaeology of Florida. I mean, you think about St. Augustine and, and you talk about that Spanish heritage and uh, you talk about the conquistadors and that that entire element of Florida history. And then uh, you go to the south and quite frankly, as what Nicole was saying, it's just, you know, it's a a different demographic. You have obviously the snowbirds, you have a Latino Cuban population over there. What, let me just uh, throw this one at you, what kind of archaeological involvement would you orient to say uh, the Cuban population in, in, in Miami? That's, that's a great question. I, I think one thing that we can certainly play on with that particular um, population is the fact that Florida is a Spanish colonial, part of the Spanish colonial empire, and it had been for a long time. In fact, the, the first, uh, what, what's now the first, uh, what, what is now a state in the, in the part of the continent of the United States, at least, um, the, the first area that was explored that's now part of the United States was, in fact, Florida, uh, dating back to 1513 with Ponce mm-hmm. de Leon. Um, now, people are familiar with St. Augustine, and it's uh, the, per- the, the first a continuously occupied European settlement in all of North America, but in fact, Pensacola even was the first uh, multi-year European settlement in what is now the you know United States. Um, so I think that Spanish history kind of plays in, uh, regardless of where you go in the state, whether it's in Fort Myers or Fort Lauderdale or Pensacola or St. Augustine. So certainly, programming that focuses on that specific heritage. Um, is one strength that we often do play to, specifically to the Cuban population. In fact, um, in our office down in West, West Central and up in uh, Tampa, uh, several years ago, they created a museum exhibit about the Cuban fishing um, ranchos that once existed down in Southwest Florida. Um, we like to think of Cuban immigrants as something new, but and, and trade with Cuba as being something that's uh, uh, forbidden, at least until recently, but in fact, that was the norm um, back into the 16, 17, 1800s. And so they created a museum exhibit all about these Cuban fishing ranchos down in uh, Tampa. And in fact, we had that exhibit on display at our center here in Pensacola uh, three or four years ago that's now available to travel to, to other libraries or museums that may be interested. Um, so I definitely would think that because we have such a long history, because uh, Florida's history is so diverse and its archaeology is so diverse with all these different cultural groups, that there's a lot of different opportunities to include these people that, although they might not identify as a Floridian, they certainly have a national identity that we can tap into. Right. Um, Nicole, let me ask you a little bit about uh, a topic that I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in, that certainly is underwater archaeology and the explorations that have been made in your state on uh, some of the earlier prehistoric sites off the west coast of Florida. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you guys are involved in sort of the... uh, 
uh, human or not human origins, but the early Americans' discussions in the under underwater caves down in West Florida. Do you know anything about that and how how that that uh, program gets sort of dispersed to your local populations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, people or archaeologists and kind of avocational archaeologists have been um, exploring the underwater world here in Florida since the 1930s, really since the emergence of scuba diving. Um, and we have so many fantastic shipwreck sites off of our shores and in our bays and in our rivers that universities around the state, um, especially the University of West Florida, with our uh, maritime archaeology program, they've explored those ships over the years. Um, but kind of the next frontier of maritime archaeology is prehistoric maritime archaeology or prehistoric underwater archaeology. And a great deal of work has been done in Florida's spring sites, our freshwater springs. Um, the University of West Florida has kind of been peripherally involved with those. Um, we haven't been leading those research projects necessarily, but some of our staff have traveled to participate in them. Um, and a lot of prehistoric archaeology is now, our underwater archaeology is also being taken offshore. So going to that Ice Age coastline, which is a little bit further out than our current coastline, and looking for prehistoric sites that way. Um, I think this is kind of a, like I said, kind of a frontier field for underwater archaeologists. So I don't know how much information is out there at this point. Um, but certainly it's something that is exciting and fun to talk about, too, with the public. And um, it's something that I'm, as a maritime archaeologist, kind of keeping my eye on because I think it'll be, it'll yield some fascinating information over the next 10 or 20 years. Well, you certainly have uh, the type of topic that uh, people would really perk their ears up for, um, especially, well, you're, uh, what I was referring to originally, of course, was some of the early American research that's been done, certainly by the springs out there underwater. What about the shipwrecks and uh, that kind of stuff? Because that has always been a topic of interest to all sorts of people, including profiteers and, as you well know, companies like Odyssey that sort of hang around these, the shoreline and, yeah. and find the find the big wrecks and uh, do whatever it is they do. Do you have any issues with that? And uh, how does that information get coalesced into public messages and outreach and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so as a maritime archaeologist, obviously I advocate for the protection and preservation of our fantastic submerged cultural resources here in Florida, a great majority of which are shipwrecks. Um, and the state of Florida is kind of anomalous in that in some ways it has still allowed treasure salvage in our state waters. And that's kind of a relic of um, the late 20th century um, as laws began to change, as shipwrecks in state waters came under protection of the Abandoned Shipwrecks Act in 1988, a lot of the um, salvage leases offshore that were given to companies like Odyssey or like uh, Mel Fisher's organizations, they were kind of grandfathered in. And they were allowed to keep their leases on those plots of the uh, seafloor that they were working on at the time. And so treasure salvage is still something that is legal um, in a very um, specified way here in Florida. And so that sometimes makes my job a little bit difficult as someone who does public outreach uh, and is very interested in maritime archaeology because people are always asking me about, well, if we want to protect and preserve these sites, why are people allowed to go down and um, conduct salvage on them still? 
Um, so it's certainly something that you know we have. I have to contend with every day when I'm talking to people. Um, but in my experience, a lot of people, when I give them the message about protection and preservation, not only from an archaeological standpoint, obviously this history and this archaeology is very interesting to us and to all people in the state of Florida, but it's also um, of huge economic benefit to our state as well. Heritage tourism brings in close to $4.2 billion annually to the state of Florida. And a part of that are scuba divers who are coming to Florida specifically to visit our shipwreck sites. And so when I talk to them about, you know, this huge benefit of diving and preserving our shipwreck sites, then I think people start to kind of understand a little bit why, you know, treasure salvage is becoming, slowly becoming passe here in Florida. And obviously you have a very challenging uh, role in that connection because uh, you have to sort of strike this very delicate balance of trying to explain, yes, that this is very fascinating research and very exciting, and at the same token, you sort of have to toe the line between profiteering and uh, what really is of benefit to the state generally and to the knowledge base. And I would imagine that uh, down the road, these become very major issues that uh, as an educator and as people who are promoting uh, scientific and preservation ethic, it it, it gets a little bit touchy, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, we're not going to change the minds of everybody that we talk to. I think anybody who does public outreach kind of understands that. But if we can at least strike a civil dialogue with people and explain our, you know, our perspective on the issue and then maybe change the minds of some people who are kind of on the fence, I think, you know, in that sense, we've done our job. And we will be back in 30 seconds with a continuity, the continuation of our discussion with uh, the Florida Public Archaeology folks, Nicole Grinan and Mike Toman, and don't go away. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to indianajonesmythreality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Can you do- I'm pleased to have on the program Mr. Mike Toman and Ms. Nicole Grenan of the Florida Public Archaeology Network, and they have been describing a broad range of involvements and programs that the state of Florida has put together for public outreach, to some degree also research and information gathering and dispensation. Um, dispersal and dispensation of these programs uh, throughout the state. Um, we were talking about training programs just a little bit in, in, as a sort of a method of getting or a means of getting people involved in Florida archaeology. Nicole, why don't you tell us a little bit about what these training programs are and how they came about? Sure. Well, the Florida Public Archaeology Network offers training programs across the state of Florida. And a lot of the information that we give to people that participate in our training programs is something that they can take anywhere with them, whether or not they live in the state of Florida. Um, Some of the training programs that I enjoy most, of course, are our maritime um, and our underwater archaeology training programs. And we have two of those. Um, The first one that we offer is called our Heritage Awareness Diving Seminar. And that's geared towards scuba diving leadership. So instructors, instructor trainers, and course directors um, of all the different certifying agencies. And we invite folks, uh, not just from Florida, but from across the United States. And we've had participants from Central and South America as well. Um, And we invite them to come and do this training program with us to learn a little bit more about underwater archaeology, to learn a little bit more about that preservation message that we really are trying to push here in Florida because it's such a big part of our scuba diving heritage tourism economy. And we invite them to take that message back to their students. Um, I think the natural resource preservationists have done a great job of reinforcing the message of, you know, not breaking off things like coral heads while scuba divers are underwater. (laughs) But I think that message has been a little bit lacking for our cultural resources. And so that's really our goal with this Heritage Awareness Diving Seminar. We are hosting one in um, June this year in Key Largo, and we invite anybody who's interested to join us. Um, And our second um, underwater archaeology diving training program that we offer is what we call our Submerged Sites Education and Awareness um, Seminar. And this is geared towards recreational divers. So any diver at any level, you can just have a basic open water certification. And this program is really great because it really involves people in conducting non-invasive underwater archaeology. So we give people a basic knowledge and the basic training on how to identify underwater archaeological sites, primarily shipwrecks. Um, We give them a mission of investigating um, uh, NOAA's AWAS sites, which are basically um, unknown anomalies in the water. They could be anything from, you know, rocks to shipwrecks. Um, We invite divers after our training program to go out and investigate these anomalies and to report back to us whether or not they found an archaeological site. And we encourage them to fill out... um, Florida master site file form, which we then submit to the state so that their records go into um, public record. So it's a fantastic way to get people involved in the process of actively mapping and recording new archaeological sites. Let me ask Mike this. Um, 
you're the manager here of uh, of are, are you the functional manager of the program or how does that work with uh, you had been talking about the eight districts that you have is there somebody responsible for that um, do you do that or how does that work yeah sure I'd be happy to answer so the short answer is no I, I'm not the I'm not we have an executive director Dr William Lees and he's the one in charge of the entire organization and we also have an associate director Dr Dell Scott Ireton who used to be the uh, uh, Northwest Florida's uh, regional director um, until a couple years ago. My job here at the coordinating center is, is you know, we're fortunate uh, here in downtown Pensacola because um, we have a facility that's that's actually a, a LNN old LNN ro- railroad building terminal marine to- terminal building that was built in 1903. So it's a large, a rather large building. Um, on the second floor is all our offices, but on the bottom floor we have a public archaeology lab. And then what we call our Destination Archaeology Resource Center, which is essentially a museum um, that we have here. And so my job is really to manage um, manage that museum. I'm also involved in all sorts of different uh, developing programs here locally, uh, but also being involved in different interpretation projects uh, here as well as across the state. So um, my main function while it is just managing the, the museum here, um, I have a lot of other roles that typically fall in uh, uh, either programming or uh, interpretation. And I was curious about that. Nicole, you had mentioned earlier that you do do a certain certain amount of work with school kids and, and school programs. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, of course, we want to start uh, education about archaeology and Florida history very early. And so we often travel to public schools or private schools um, um, to do talks with them, to do presentations with them. We usually do things like an introduction to archaeology or an introduction to underwater archaeology. And then we often do kind of a follow-up, hands-on activity with them. Um, and sometimes, too, we have students come and visit our coordinating center here in downtown Pensacola. So we do the same kind of introduction talk with them. But while they're here, they can visit our public archaeology lab and get a little bit of hands-on experience, uh, rough sorting, artifacts and materials that have come from UWF excavations, so they're real archaeological materials. And then the students also go and do a tour of the Destination Archaeology Resource Center, Mike's Museum downstairs. Um, So we do a lot with those kinds of school groups. Um, We also offer summer camps in the summertime. So we work with a group of usually 25 to 40 students, um, upcoming fourth through sixth grade. And we do kind of a week-long intensive history and archaeology training with them. And that particular summer camp is geared towards um, Pensacola history, but I know our other regional centers throughout the state also do the same kind of thing, looking specifically at their local regional history. What about expanding the programs? Is it hard to expand the programs in this day and age? Are you getting a lot of support from the legislature, from the public? How is that working out? You know, I think, you know, then in the recent years, obviously, we had a little bit of an economic downturn. So certainly funding is not as forthcoming as it has been in the past, which is always a problem as we want to expand our programming and reach underserved audiences. Um, 
But the great thing is that we have been around for about 10 years now. We had our 10th anniversary in 2015. And we have gotten such a great group of local support from people who have participated in our programs, who know what we do, who have talked to us on a daily basis and you know, have reached out to us for help. So I think there's kind of been a groundswell in our local regional centers of these massive public support groups who are always there participating in our events and telling their friends and family about us. Uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about uh, Florida Archaeology Month, because a number of states have them, and they normally meet with a fair amount of success. We've had a couple of programs with them, and um, they I'm amazed at the imagination of folks in your position who are able to really mobilize uh, children, uh, grown-ups, older individuals, and sort of bring them together in programs that uh, raise their, pique their curiosity, really, and get them actually physically involved in matters archaeology. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that program works in your state? Absolutely. So March is Florida Archaeology Month, and it started back at least, as far as I know, back in the 90s. It, they had a Florida Archaeology Week, but now we have the whole month that, that we kind of take over. So uh, it's, it's basically Florida Archaeology Month is a way to really promote um, our message and the message of other similar kind of like-minded organizations. So uh, FPAN, uh, we partner and work very closely with the Florida Anthropological Society, which uh, has chapters located throughout the entire state uh, of, of Florida. We also work very closely with the Division of Historical Resources uh, and other organizations like the Florida Archaeological Council. And so we, we sort of pull our people and pull our resources to try to promote archaeology in the state. Um, generally, what will happen is around February, um, the Florida Public Archaeology Network, we work very closely again with uh, FAS, and we always put out a poster, and there's always a different theme for each year. Um, we, we generally print out about ten to 15,000 of these posters, as well as bookmarks, uh, and it's a way for us to just promote Florida Archaeology Month throughout the state. So we give these uh, posters and bookmarks out to people at different events. We distribute them to local libraries, schools, universities. Uh, kind of whoever wants, wants one can get one. Um, and so there's always a theme. The theme for this year is Artisans of the Woodland. And so what we've done every year for the last few years is um, we've focused on a specific archaeological time period. Um, so starting with Paleo and then going on to Archaic was last year, so this year's Woodland. Um, and so we highlight on this poster different sites that people can actually visit. So again, I mean, uh, besides promoting the message of protection and preservation, we also want to promote heritage tourism or archaeo tourism because that's that's a big industry and it's something very valuable that we have uh, across the state. Um, you know, Florida relies a lot uh, on, you know, in terms of economic uh, uh, at least in terms of economics, is is tourism, um, and again, part of that is heritage tourism. You know, here in Pensacola, we get a lot of people that come just for our beaches, and that's great. Uh, but it's it's just seasonal. Um, when when the weather turns bad, people don't come. Uh, and then also, you know, when we have natural disasters or human caused disasters, like the BP oil spill back in 2010, right. Uh, tourism for beaches dwindles and so to have another reason for people to come here to Pensacola Nicole mentioned St. Augustine has done a great job with that they've they've been promoting that since the 1950s Pensacola tried a similar thing in the 1950s and it just didn't work out so we're, we're hoping to to do better with that and I and I think uh, I think that will come uh, someday 
but but in terms of Florida Archaeology Month, again, we kind of pull our resources. There's a lot of different events that take place throughout the state. Um, you know, here we have a big kickoff event called Dash of the Past, and it's it's a uh, basically a run, walk, scavenger hunt race throughout downtown Pensacola. Um, and then you know we try to target. This year we tried to target more like the millennial uh, generation, so we we went um, we went paperless and, and did our entire uh, that that entire event through an actual app. Uh-huh. We have a lot of lecture series that Nicole had mentioned. We also one thing that I really like to do um, here in Pensacola and many of our other regions have done is actually take people out to these sites. You know, it's one thing to sit into a classroom and tell people about it. It's something very different to get them out there and say on this spot that you're actually standing such and such happened, you know, 400, 500 years ago. Um, and so we do a lot of uh, hiking tours. I've done hiking tours of uh, Mississippian period mound sites that are, are just all over this area in Northwest Florida. We've also done kayaking tours. I know some of our offices down in Tampa have done a lot with that. We've done that as well here. Um, and also bicycling tours is a great way to get people out to go to sites that you might not necessarily be able to walk to you know, three or four sites, but you can certainly bike to them. And so those are all great programs that we've been able to partner with uh, local city governments, um, We've been able to partner with state parks as well as national parks on programs like that. Um, and also, there's a great program that just happened in St. Augustine. It's, it's called the Archaeology Pub Crawl. And so it's basically the, uh, that, that regional office will take people to tours of different pubs and bars in downtown St. Augustine and give people a history in our, uh, of, of what's there or what used to be there. And as the city archaeologist of St. Augustine once said, you can tell the archaeology and history of St. Augustine by which pub you're sitting at. And so that That's program, right. kind of, it kind of grew out of that. But March is particularly great because of our weather. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful time for Florida Archaeology Month because many other museums and, or libraries uh, or, or counties or cities like to have outdoor events. Uh, and many of them over the last decade uh, or two decades, really, with Florida Archaeology Month, have actually started to have uh, outdoor events of you know Archaeology Day events, and so we always go out and help with those. And so, just lots of various programs that we do throughout the state. Um, and and for more information on on what's going on, at least in terms of different regions or statewide, uh, there is a web resource for that. It's called Flarch Month F L A R C H Month dot org, uh, and they can also go to our website, which is www.fpan. US and look just click on our uh, events calendar and all the events will, will pop up on there and we will be back with our final segment on uh, Florida archaeology public outreach and the archaeology network of the state of Florida right after these words don't go away Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schuldenrein. We've spent the past hour discussing the uh, very sophisticated uh, Florida Public Archaeology Network with um, my special guests, Mr. Mike Toman and Ms. Nicole Grenan. And uh, I was especially impressed by the level of sophistication and organization of this uh, fine group that really has sort of taken Florida over and divided it in, into groups of, into regional groups for um, archaeological outreach and research ventures and just a, a wide range of archaeology related activities that seem to run year round and bring in people from all walks in life. And uh, Mike, you had told me during the break that you guys are finally starting to get some serious recognition. And uh, what I wanted to ask you based on that is where do you see the program going forward? What are the aspirations of this program, both in the short and the long term? And and how do you see it moving ahead? Well, in terms of uh, sh- short term, you know, I think working. One of the things we've tried to do more, uh, more and more of recently is is to act more like a network. Um, so I think, you know, as as Nicole stated earlier on in the program, um, we have very different regional needs uh, and, and demographics. So of course, each program is going to be slightly different with uh, and have its own set of unique challenges. Um, but one thing we've tried to focus more on within the last couple of years is uh, acting more like a network. Um, so in other words. Uh, if we're doing a trading program um, that we have expertise on, uh, that we can actually go and help other regions set those up. Uh, or likewise, you know, not just focusing on doing our own programming here, uh, but looking out at what other regions are doing and relying on some of their experiences uh, to, to make those programs happen here if we can do that. So in the, in the short term, I think just being more uh, like a network um, of a, of course, we we have we try to meet with our other regional directors and, and public archaeologists um, at least once or twice a year, and so that's great. But um, you know, just more, acting more like a, a network is one thing that we've kind of been striving to do, uh, and I think it's it's really paying off, uh, especially with with last year and, and all the awards that came out of uh, 
you know, being recognized as not only as an organization, but also specific programs getting uh, awards as well. In the long term, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to work for this organization is because I, I actually believe in the, in the mission. Um, you know, destruction of archaeological sites is something that's happening uh, every day. Um, it's certainly in Florida, like I said, across the world. Um, but in the long term, I, I'd like to try to, of course, achieve that message. Um, I don't know if, if, if that mission will ever end, really, uh, but it's something that I think we can continue to strive on. I think it's something that we, we continually are trying to reevaluate how we do programs and how effective they are with assessment. Um, and so I think in the long term, that, that's something that's always going to be a goal and something that we can always strive towards, uh, towards doing. Nicole, tell us what your uh, particular vision is for the program and going forward. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the real strength of the Florida Public Archaeology Network is the way that it interacts with our local communities when with our residents and our visitors. Um, and so what I would like to see in the future, and I think this is becoming a reality, is more hands-on involvement, inviting people to come to sites with us to do tours of sites like Mike talked about earlier, doing those bicycling tours, our kayaking tours, our hike tours, um, bringing people out and doing shipwreck tours, which is a program I've been working a little bit on recently. Um, so really getting down to the local level and interacting with people on a day-to-day -day basis. So kind of breaking down, um, you know, that old notion of the ivory tower of archaeology. Sure. And bringing archaeology back to the people. I think that's, that's a really major point because I think uh, as someone who's been doing this sort of thing for a very long time, I think that the refocus on public involvement is sort of uh, inversely correlated with the um, reduction in scientific funding and research that we have all experienced over the past 20 or 30 years. And I think we have to uh, be especially um, solicitous of the public in terms of just trying to get our message forward and to explain the relevance of what we do to the contemporary world. And I think that the types of things that you guys do is really the future. And I'm glad to see that um, you guys are very focused on this and that you see this not just as a means but as an end in and of itself bringing in people to appreciate their heritage and uh, to move along those lines it seems like your program has a lot of let's just say it has legs and uh, it's going forward at, at, a, at a very very nice pace and uh, in a way that has a future and in a way that has a vision. So I want to thank my very special guests from the Florida Public Archaeology Network, uh, Mr. Mike Toman and uh, Ms. Nicole Grenan for appearing on the program. Thanks so much for opening our eyes to various aspects of public archaeology that many people weren't aware of and certainly to looking at what you guys have been doing in Florida as sort of a beacon for where we should all be moving. Thank you so much for appearing on the program. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, it was our, it was our pleasure. Okay, thanks so much. And until next week, we will see you again uh, with another episode of Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. This is Joe Schildenrein saying good evening to all. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.